The EU Horizon 2020 funded Fusicus project is presenting this podcast series about nature-based solutions. The word Fusicus in Greek means according to nature. And this podcast aims to demonstrate sustainable measures inspired by nature that reduces the risk of extreme weather events in rural mountain landscapes. Welcome everybody back to another Fuzikos podcast. Um, we're doing these Fuzikos podcasts on nature-based solutions. My name is Josh, along with my my colleague here, Marcelian. Hi, Marcelian. Hi, everyone. And we are we are students at the Technical University of Munich, the Department of Strategic Landscape Planning and Management. Today, we are very pleased to welcome our very own Stefan. He's he's the head of our department, and he brings with him a lot of experience with um, green infrastructure planning and adaptation strategies. And yeah, he has also an emphasis on urban areas. Um, welcome, Stefan. How are you doing today? Thank you. Uh, I'm doing fine. And I'm looking looking really forward to this interview. Yeah, and and we also brought along. Uh, we were able to invite uh, Anders all the way from Oslo. Hi, Anders. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm I'm also doing fine. Uh, nice weather in Oslo, and everything is well. Good, good. We we're very happy to have Anders as well. He brings a wealth of experience with natural hazards, and his background is actually in geosciences. Um, and he is currently um, at the Norwegian Geo Geotechnical Institute, but also he's involved in the Fusikos project itself as a work package leader for NBS implementation. So our topic is regarding urban NBS, urban nature-based solutions, and then some outlooks on the future. And so, yes, maybe we can jump in. The first question, maybe I will just start with Stefan and we can just, whoever would jump in afterwards. It, this question, why are nature-based solutions so important for urban areas? Yeah, I would say that at least two reasons why um, there is a lot of emphasis now on creating nature-based solutions in urban areas. One is the fact that uh, many people, if not most people, are now, are now living in urban areas. Um, the 21st century has also been called the century of urbanization. And globally, it's already more than 50% of the population that is living in urban areas. And in Europe, it's 70, 80%. I guess in Norway, where Anders is now, it, it's 80% probably. Um, so Oslo and, and Bergen and other cities are the places where we live. And so there is a lot of demand from the population there to um, have good living conditions, access to recreational areas, clean air, clean water, and so forth. So that would be, in my view, one main reason. And the other one is, of course, that urban areas, um, the environment in them is very much altered. Um, so uh, a lot of buildings, a lot of paved spaces that have replaced vegetation, and um, of course, also intensive uses of the land in urban areas that creates uh, air pollution, um, the heat island effect, so the warming of cities compared to the surroundings. 
And um, in all of this, um, nature-based solutions may offer a, um, a way to enhance the environment and provide nature to people in the city for their health and for uh, well-being, for increasing the well-being. So nature-based solutions can reduce um, the heat island effect. They can cool urban areas and clean the air to some degree um, and, and offer you places where you can experience nature and, and, and that all of this is good for, for the people living in the cities. Okay, maybe I can ask a follow-up question to this and I'll ask Anders, uh, what, what natural hazards what are the main natural hazards that you can find in urban areas that nature-based solutions would be fitting for? I know Stefan did mention the urban heat island effect, which is one, one thing that they do address, but what are some others? Well, you know, um, physical deals mostly with the rural areas, but, uh, but I think that, and, and Stefan can, can correct me, but... Uh, you know, cities are different. There are flat cities and there are cities with, uh, with uh, steep topography also. So I think you'll find most of, the, most of the same natural hazards in cities that you also can find um, in, uh, in uh, rural areas. Some cities have you know, severe flooding problems. That's possibly one of the most serious ones. But you have cities like, for instance, Hong Kong, which has very steep slopes and, uh, and frequent landslide problems, and which also are heavily into nature-based solutions to mitigate the, uh, the landslide hazard. So, so I think you find all aspects of natural hazards in cities as you, as you do in rural areas, really. Yeah. Now, if I may add to that, I, I fully agree with Anders on that. So, um, the, the type of hazards that we may meet is um, is probably often similar. Um, for me, the main difference would be if you want to look for differences. The main difference would be that simply the say the the alteration of urban landscapes um, is is uh, really big. And, and if you take the example of Hong Kong with all its high rise buildings and so so there's really it's all all built up and all uh, artificial. And, um, and the population density is so high. And so if there are um, hazards, the risks are very high that, uh, yeah. for damage. Yeah? So um, it, the population that will be affected is of course very high. And um, if we now talk, for instance, about climate change, and uh, then we also know that the risks will increase even. So um, intensity of uh, heat waves and frequency of heat waves will increase. And if there are uh, strong rainfalls, uh, then um, the uh, pluvial flooding will uh, very strongly increase and the damage both in economic terms, but also say in how the people are affected is, uh, can be tremendous simply in urban areas. Okay, so we've talked a lot about similarities or differences between NPS in rural and urban landscape. Um, so to Anders or Stefan, or both of you maybe, do you think it is easier or harder um, to apply NPS in rural area compared to NPS in urban areas? Could you mention some challenges of NPS implementation in rural or urban area? Well, if, if I'm 
if I start, um, we just wrote um, a short paper on, on barriers to uh, NBS implementation in experience in physicals. But I think, you know, the hazards are similar, but, uh, you know, the consequences are, are different. Uh, the solutions may also, you, NBS solutions that you can use in rural areas, you can also also use in, in urban areas, um, slightly different ways. But I think it's, uh, in urban areas, uh, the number of stakeholders is much, is much higher. I mean, the, the population is much higher. Um, and um, that's both positive and negative, I think, because you can deal with with larger groups of population in your um, stakeholder. I mean, it's we'll get back to that, I guess, in because stakeholder involvement is incredibly important. In in rural areas, you may deal with, um, you know, for instance, uh, five or ten uh, farmers or big landowners. And it doesn't take more than one of them to be critical to, to, to you know, in worst case, stop a, a project. So, uh, so you have different challenges, um, but other barriers, I think, will uh, or challenges will apply to both urban and rural areas, such as as the time it takes to um, to involve uh, all necessary stakeholders, the time it takes to to perform uh, public procurement uh, when you're starting really the implementation process. You have uh, bureaucratic problems, uh, permissions that needs to be granted, bureaucracy, local politics. You have all the aspects, uh, but uh, you know, the number of people and the number of stakeholders is much higher in, in urban areas. I think, I guess, uh, Stefan is much more used to working in urban areas than I am, so he can add to that, I guess. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I believe that um, challenges there are everywhere, of course, of different kinds. And perhaps one particular challenge in urban areas is that uh, the space is extremely intensively used for all sorts of different uh, human activities. And um, just to give you one example, for the city of Munich, um, we did a study where we um, explored whether and how we could adapt this uh, inner urban area uh, with um, nature-based solutions to the negative effects of climate change, in particular to provide thermal comfort for the people living there. And what we found is that the amount of green space in the most densely built inner urban areas of Munich would need to be increased mainly by planting trees from say around 10% to 20, 25% to simply keep the conditions as, as we have them today by 2050. And that is possible. It's, it's not impossible because um, <coughs> the amount of buildings cover, built cover is maybe 50%, but the remainder uh, is more or less um, sealed surfaces. And that is streets, uh, that is sealed backyards. And you can, of course, uncover the sealed surfaces, but it means you have to change mobility, for example, because no more cars or much reduced cars, both parking cars and, uh, and, and the cars that are running on the streets. It means 
that you have to re-engineer the different infrastructures that are underground uh, uh, because you can't plant any tree there if you don't um, try to remove some pipes underground, uh, else the trees cannot grow. Uh, they need the rooting space. So that is a huge challenge really ahead uh, if we want to transform cities towards climate adaptation via nature-based solutions. And in addition to that comes all that Anna's already mentioned. There are so many different stakeholders and not least um, landowners. Yeah? Uh, so most of the urban land is private, and private property. And uh, so if you want to get a hand on that, um, you need to think about how can I motivate the landowners to implement nature-based solutions in their backyard, for instance. And you can't, cannot just force them, but you need, uh, say, to engage them and motivate them to, to convince them that this is a good thing to do. And, uh, and um, of course, you can give incentives and so, but it, essentially it means that we need uh, mm, different planning approaches, both to engage the public uh, more strongly and in decision-making, but also uh, to better connect the different um, the different departments in city administration, the ones that plan for the infrastructures, that when once the plan for mobility, the ones that plan for housing, and the ones that plan for open spaces, and to de develop approaches where right from the beginning you factor in, so to say, nature-based solutions, and not just start thinking about it when everything else has been decided upon. So for me, that is a is a is a really big challenge uh, that we need to 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 change the thinking on how we develop our our, our cities and to change priorities in, in that and what comes first and what comes second. Hmm. You have the the space problem is uh, I mean it's different in cities, but it's it's definitely also present in rural areas because. Uh, Many of these nature-based solutions that you would apply along a river, for instance, uh, are quite area demanding. And quite often they will mean that uh, farmers will, uh, will uh, lose land for farming and uh, would uh, want to be compensated. So, uh, so the, the, even in, in sparsely populated areas, uh, farmland, uh, the space issue is, uh, is often a, a, you know, a problem also. And, and uh, I definitely agree that you have to have the um, different stakeholders or stakeholder groups on board at an early stage and, and keep them, you know, make them enthusiastic and create some ownership to the, to the project. And that's uh, the key, but <laughs> that's often quite difficult. Also because of skepticism to, to new solutions. So used to, uh, to a, a traditional um, flood barrier along the sort of channelizing the river and and uh, moving the problem downstream away from their area to 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 the next municipality. Do any of you feel like MBS is more popular in an urban context? And if so, why, why is it more popular in an urban context? I mean, it seems like these farmers maybe don't have some the same realization or the same exposure as maybe some of us in the city so i don't know why why would you think that yeah i'm not sure that's entirely right there's of course uh, farmers and others in rural areas who would be um 
you know, um, very interested in environmentally friendly solutions. And it's a question also how early do you can engage them. And we have a good example in, in our demonstrated case site in, in Tuscany in Italy, where, where we have test fields in, in you know, a couple of the local farmers land. And, um, and their enthusiasm for this have, have um, you know, spread to other farmers who are now very interested in the project and want to look at the possibilities of, of include the same type of solutions in their own land. So, so the, yeah, it, it's not black and white by all means. Yeah. Also here, I would, would agree with Anders. And um, I, I think just looking at urban areas, there is a, is a, a strange, say, a contrast between, say, on the one hand, uh, current trends of urbanization uh, which means that um, uh, cities become more densely built, uh, at least in a, in a European context. Um, strong inner urban developments taking place, uh, still also cities expanding, and all in all, a, I would say a, a loss of green space mostly, uh, if you take um, the total vegetated areas in cities. Um, on the other hand, we, we can see that um, the, the idea of greening cities has become very popular and uh, a lot of investment into that also. You know, all the big um, cities are trying to give themselves the image of, uh, of green cities, uh, having nice parks, new parks, spectacular things often that they build. Uh, think about the High Line in, in New York and, and, and other examples. And, um, and architects are doing uh, quite fancy projects um, you know the Bosco Verticale in uh, Milan, a, a high-rise building that is greened outside, and, and similar projects are happening everywhere at the moment. I, I think you know, there's a tendency also to uh, when when you uh, when you discuss with different stakeholders um, mitigation measures against hydrometeorological hazards such as landslides and, and flooding. Uh, we and they often tend to think only about the, you know, the mitigation effect, the, the risk uh, reduction um, related directly to the hazard. And I think um, the, the co-benefits with uh, NBS is largely undersold. Um, and that's a, that's a way to increase enthusiasm in rural areas as well as in urban areas. That, but it's pr probably more people are more aware of it in urban areas where where greening cities would uh, mean for absolutely most people um, better environment to live in while still being urban citizens. But I think the, um, the, uh, to emphasize the co-benefits uh, in terms of, of uh, people's well-being, biodiversity, uh, leisure time activities, uh, possibly also, um, also uh, uh, local economy, uh, new businesses that can grow uh, are you know, very important to increase enthusiasm in, in um, well, in both both uh, rural and urban areas, and that's not uh, perhaps not emphasized enough at at least not in rural areas. And if I 
finally may add to that, I think um, it's also um, one of the key challenges in my view is uh, to um, get across this kind of opposition between urban and rural really yeah. in all of this. Um, it's, it's not about, how should I say that? One, one, one example, uh, I've, which I found quite, quite interesting, was here in Munich. Um, I once gave a presentation where I showed what, say, should be done in settlements by, uh, to adapt them to climate change. The, the things that I've told you before about how to increase the amount of green cover. And then someone from a municipality outside of Munich said, well, he found this very good, what I said. And so, and finally, he would see that the city of Munich is trying to solve itself its problems and is not so, not only re, uh, wants to rely on that fresh air corridors are kept open to bring the cool air from the countryside. Hmm. And, <laughs> and because they want to, of course, also to develop. But it, it shows you that um, unless there is a kind of fair share, say, of economic development, of uh, and of the burdens of of uh, of development, uh, uh, um, it becomes very very uh, difficult, really, um, to come to uh, to solutions um, that uh, um, that are beneficial for both sides, so to say. And we need to overcome that because uh, in many cases um, we can only we, we need to think at regional levels and uh, and uh, to to secure these fresh air corridors that I mentioned, or to manage river corridors in a way so that the flooding does not hit the city, but that not say the uh, the chances for a, a good way of living are taken away from the rural population or so. Uh, because everything is just turning around the, the cities and their needs also. So if we, if the rural areas are doing good for the city, then there needs to be also a fair um, uh, kind of, of compensation is maybe not a good word for that because it's not only kind of compensation, but really to, uh, to give them a, uh, also good chances for development. I think that's a good point. I mean, I... Again, speaking about flooding, we have to think in you know catchment scale, larger scale. Whatever you do in uh, the upper reaches of a, of a catchment will affect lower reaches where most cities perhaps are are located. So it's all connected. Uh, flood retention in in uh, high up in the catchment will reduce flooding in the lower cities and. Uh, so it's all, yeah, I agree. You, it's, it's dangerous to put a, put a boundary between urban and rural, really, it, it's connected. Okay, well, that's very interesting. <laughs> um, now we see that urban NPS is gaining more and more popularity. People know NPS from, well, green infrastructure and cool architecture like vertical garden. So you have also mentioned Bosco in Milan. Um, considering this popularity of NPS in urban context, do you have any ideas how can we actively promote rural nature-based solution? Well, not only to farmers, but to all people so that we can increase their understanding that NPS is not only about green infrastructures in cities, but also, well, maybe using spatial vegetations to reduce flood risk or anything like that. How can we um, promote this to citizens. 
to to urban areas or to both well to both or maybe to rural people because i think they yeah. don't have this understanding i guess that one is uh, is primarily to me uh, as a rural representative here uh, but I think we have touched upon a, a lot of these uh, things, uh, and particularly uh, the the co-benefits, which I think are undersold when it comes to NBS. But but I have a few other points, and um, and that is uh, not to oversell NBS as the only viable solution to to reduce flood and landslide or whatever hazard risk or, 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 or risk related to floods and, and hazards. Because I think in many cases, in some cases, perhaps traditional gray solution is, is the only solution that can work. And in many cases you will need, and you have to, you have to admit that and have to have some, you know, be humble for also um, the use of traditional solutions. They shouldn't all be you know, thrown away. And in very many cases, you will end up with some sort of a hybrid solution. So I think um, you know, a combination between uh, uh, an NBS and, uh, and a traditional engineered solution. So I think, um, I think to, be, to be honest uh, about where NBS can work and and for what problems and what areas they work less um, is important. And, and next, I think it's very important also to, to come up with some really good examples of how uh, NBS and or hybrid solutions work, how the co-benefits have um, have benefited the, the local or regional population and have good uh, and strong ambassadors from the stakeholder groups at these example cases um, that can tell good stories and can tell good and honest stories. Um, so, so I think that's, uh, those are um, important aspects to increase the, both the popularity, the, the use and the enthusiasm for, uh, for NBS in, in, in rural areas. And I think that probably applies for, for uh, more urban city type areas as well. Okay, so, well, it's a very informative discussion that we've got today. Thank you so much, Stefan and Anders, for this amazingly fun discussion. I hope our today's podcast can give new insights for the listeners and also wake their enthusiasm towards NPS. Okay, so, well, thank you once again for the time and stay connected. Be inspired by nature in your all-day challenges. Fuzikos is coordinated by NGI, and the podcast series is supervised by Dr. Odds and Graf Hamed and Dr. Gerd Lup. Are you interested in more? Please visit our website at fuzikos.eu.